You're listening to Rosie on the House. Corn, corn, corn. Nothing but corn. And corn is one of the longest harvest seasons of any crop. It may be the longest harvest season of any crop. Alfalfa might have it. Alfalfa has it. Alfalfa. Yeah. But, but can, for human consumption. For human consumption, <laughs> consumption here in Arizona. Uh, hi, Julie Murphy with Arizona Farm Bureau. And it's a pleasure to be on Rosie on the House once again, first Saturday of the month. Um, our season for sweet corn here in Arizona starts kind of, they start planting like in the spring. And sometimes they can be pulling some fresh corn off late May here in the valley. And then it goes until pretty much the first weekend after or the weekend after 4th of July. And then once that shift is made here in the valley, then it goes up north to, you know, there's a lot of uh, sweet corn farmers. But one of them, and she's here in the studio today, Charlotte Mortimer with Mortimer Family Farms. So they're growing it. And they actually get to grow it through September, the end of September. And we've also got some of our sweet corn farmers down south in Cochise County. So our season actually takes place the entire summer and into early, early, early fall. And I don't think you can ever have enough. I cannot have enough sweet corn. And I just noticed as uh, Charlotte was coming into studio, she brought us a whole basket full of sweet corn. I come bearing gifts, so uh, yes, yeah, a thank whole, you. A whole basket here, everybody will have to fight over it and take some home. <laughs> and we'll fight over it, no. And you, it immediately filled up the room with aroma too. There's, I'm gonna uh, shuck it, and eat it now. <laughs> you can. It, it was go, just, yeah. it was just harvested about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. In fact, I had to go to the farm and, and pick it fresh this morning for yeah. you. And my favorite way to eat it is raw. Oh, There's nothing man. better. Uh, oh, I like that too. Uh, you're going to have to go on to rosieonthehouse.com and get our corn mock shoe recipe. Yes, you do. Try that, mm. and then we'll argue. <laughs> and one of the reasons I, I love that the season lasts this long is because I do love sem- summer, despite the fact that it's so hot here in Arizona. There's something about sweet corn and okra and a lot of the other summer vegetables j- that just make me feel all fuzzy and warm inside. <laughs> and tomatoes. Partly, and tomatoes, and partly because it's so hot outside. Yes. Yeah, but uh, sweet corn is that caps it off. Oh, it's a it's a favorite for sure. There's nothing more American than a good ear of sweet corn. And <laughs> on Fourth of July, with the watermelon that we uh-huh. grow here in Arizona too. So all of our summer crops, nobody does it as good as our. And I know I'm partial, but nobody does it as good as our Arizona farmers. And take take us through the entire process. You mentioned you were starting planting early, but uh, planting how many seeds per hole? How many? Separation? Do you have to thin it? Oh my you goodness! Have All these rows to details. <laughs> I should have brought Gary with me for that. He's the farmer. I just sell it. Um, so we, I, he'll 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 tease me when I get home that uh, that I didn't do it right. But I believe we plant them on thirty six inch rows, and we plant uh, a plant every five inches. And our our planter, we actually upgraded our planter last year, and so it is. Um, it's it's exactly every five inches. It's pretty amazing uh, what that newer technology can do for you with your planting, et cetera. Um, we, we plant ours uh, the 1st of March was when we started planting, and we actually started harvesting our sweet corn the last week of June. 
which was way early for us up in uh, central Arizona, right there outside of Prescott is where we're located. Um, and so that was really exciting. We we have everything on drip irrigation now, so we uh, sub irrigate with a drip right to those right to those uh, seeds that when they need it and give make them make sure they've got the right amount of water that they need when they need it. Uh, they start to leaf up in about four days is when they start to emerge, four to seven days. And then um, they'll just keep growing and growing. You know, that's kind of a, it's a real tall, skinny plant. If I don't know, if, I'm sure everybody's seen a corn plant, you would think, but <laughs> yeah. real tall, skinny plant with lots of larger leaves that come off of it. And then uh, it gets up to tassel. So what that means is when the when the when the top of the of the plant flowers, basically, it's a they call it a tassel. And that's where the um, the pollination comes from. So that's basically the male part of the plant. And then the silk, which is on the ear itself, when you guys get an ear of corn at home and you open it up and that silk, when you're husking it, that silk is still on there. Every silk is attached to one kernel of corn. And so um, every silk has to be pollinated to make a full ear of corn. And you guys have gotten real sophisticated because with your sweet corn because the reality of it is you're mainly nursery plant people and beef and some of the other crops but you've really only been doing the sweet corn for what the last five maybe six to eight years now time or? flies this is I our know. ninth year ninth year ninth okay year growing sweet corn up there at the farm and uh we've we've really developed a a, a love for it no doubt you know we've been in love with agriculture for a long time and was doing like you said more of the the beef side of it, and uh, since we've been at the farm and growing all different kinds of vegetables, we just we love it. So it's been really great. So when I shuck an ear of corn and there's kernels missing, it's because those little silk strands didn't get pollinated on that ear. Correct. Yep. Every silk has to be pollinated, and if there's a miss, if there's a if there's a kernel missing, that's what happened. It just did not get pollinated. Um, but the wind blows that uh, blows the pollen from the tassels up at the top, and that falls down onto those silks, which are lower. And uh, pollinizes that uh, kernel, and then we get a, a nice, beautiful cob of corn. There you go. Back to my point on how important gravity is. Because it would the the pollen would go up. It would go straight up. Julie, did you listen to the first hour this morning? I. We talked about the origin of gravity in the universe with astrophysicist Dr. Roger Windhorst. Oh, awesome. Now, if it weren't for gravity, the male part of the corn stalk wouldn't release its pollen, and all of the silk husk, ironically, are pointing up towards the sky to catch the falling pollen. Back to my point of intelligent design. And how men are lazy? Was that what I just heard? Wait a minute. <laughs> and no, I have to say that Rosie on the house covers everything. So we might have even been able to hear it by these very powerful mics, but Charlotte just shucked an ear of corn in studio. And so we're we're doing the real thing here. Yeah. So I had, had to open up this beautiful ear of corn. And, it is. That's uh, and you gorgeous. can see all the silks that are left here. And, and uh, you can tell when an ear of corn is ripe or ready because the silks that are left on that corn stalk, on the, on the ear of corn, the silks dry up. So when the silks are dry, that's when we harvest it. And are you harvesting by hand? How many you are harvesting we by do, hand? We do, yes. Okay. Yeah, we harvest everything by hand. There's tractors that'll do it, equipment that'll do it. Um, we found that, that uh, there's a just get a better result when we hand harvest. How many ears will you get per stalk of corn? So you'll get one good ear. 
And a lot of times there'll be um, another ear that's a smaller ear. Interesting. But you get one that's good coffee. ear. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually what we do. We put our cattle out on the field after we're done harvesting that block, put the cows out there and let them eat up the, the leaf because they get a lot of nutrition from the plant itself, but also any of the extra corn. So we've got the corn that we eat itself. We've got the nice... Uh, wrapping that it comes in that we use for tamales later the husks yep is there any repurposing of the silk or the cob after you eat it you know i have some people that use the silk for crafting i don't know what they do with it but i do have people that come in and want the silks for crafting <laughs> um the the leaf it, it becomes good livestock feed and so so oh. all the extra and even the cob itself once you eat the eat the kernels off of it the cob itself is actually an actual excellent nutritional source for for livestock as well so so mortimer um, family farms is fully uh-huh. integrated because you've got cattle that will eat <laughs> <laughs> we eat do. the leftover. We do, yeah. They uh, they take care of everything. We don't waste a bit of it, that's for sure. That's corn-fed beef right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I love corn-fed beef. Great. There was still open ra- uh, cattle ranging in Whitman when I planted my first head of corn. And just as everything was flowering, I'd come home to find the, the eight of them had trampled two fences and just completely helped themselves to, uh, to the corn. But it's uh, it's something that grows pretty quick like you said four days from the time it's germinated to sprout yep four to seven yep you had planted in march and we're harvesting by june three month turnaround Mm -hmm. yeah it's a 90 day on that early stuff and it it totally depends on the weather but 90 to 110 days is is from plant to finish and we plant it in succession so that means we plant every single week we plant corn so we can harvest it all summer long. And you're, you'll probably, what will be your last harvest then in September? I hope I have that right. It's through September, correct? Yeah, it's it's uh, mid to late September. Totally depends on the weather there again. You know, once the once it starts chilling out, getting, getting cooler in those evenings, it kind of stops that corn from growing. So every year it's a little bit different, but we just uh, harvest as long as we can. And for our smart sweet corn purchasers that are all over the valley and head up north or wherever they're still can harvest fresh sweet corn they can load up and they can freeze the corn there's all sorts of things so you can carry it through the rest of the year if you want to right yeah in fact we freeze it when you want to freeze it the some people shuck it and then you know go ahead and and take it off of the cob and everything and freeze just the kernels it takes a lot less room to do it that way but i just freeze it husk and all and i don't want to break the seal of that husk on the corn when i do that so if you open it up and peek at it you've broke that seal so i just take the whole the whole husk and everything and throw it right in the freezer just like that. It's uh, it's it's God's uh, best uh, Ziploc bag. And just let that freeze just the way it is. And I tell you, when you thaw it out, I thaw it out in some water in a sink. And then throw it on the grill just like I normally do when I cook it. And it it, it tastes like you just, just now picked it. So it is fantastic. It stores really well. Freezes super easy. And uh, then you can have corn throughout the through the winter even. Right. You know, that's the way we cook it on the grill. Don't take it out of the husk. Don't touch it. But you have to be careful. The silk sticking out of the end doesn't get too close to your other meat because it will flame up and you can sear some other stuff for your bread if you're toasting bread. <laughs> but that is the perfect way to cook it, just straight on the grill and roll it every it's, you know, 90 seconds. Yep, it's my favorite. I have people tell me, too, they like throwing it in the microwave. Ooh, and We and, don't even have a microwave. <laughs> Well, it is an easy it is it is an easy way to cook it, but um, you know it's just there again. You leave it right in the husk too, and that really protects it and and, and takes care of that. So there's lots of different ways. 
how, how long are you leaving it on the grill? Oh, I leave mine on there about eight to ten minutes. Oh, that's all. Yeah. Are you are you rolling it occasionally? Or? I do, oh, okay. and I and I like a good hot grill, so it's okay. almost it's almost roasting it. You know, it's that got a quick. good roasting. Okay. Yeah. I've never burnt one though that way. I mean, the husks may be burnt and maybe black and charred. You mm-hmm. burn in your hands. You're wearing your hot mitts, peeling it. I've never gotten to the inside and had a burnt kernel. Yeah, neither have I. And sometimes I'll peel it open and then go ahead and throw it back on the grill to get that more of a toasted feel to it. Mm-hmm. I like that as well. Um, a little I had bit of- breakfast and I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> this is making me hungry. What are some of your other summer crops? You know, we are going oh, to cover that okay. here just shortly, but we're Let's a little late for the break, and Gary D is going to cut us off. If you'd like to ask a question or join the conversation about sweet corn, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight, or anything Farm Bureau related, text is four one one nine two three. Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, whiskey makes my baby. So you guys at Mortimer's Family Farm, in addition to corn, have a lot of other things. Uh, Gary brings up an interesting question here. Do y'all have a still on there for your sweet corn produce as well? <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that comment, Gary. No stills yet. He asked it in the song, Corn Makes Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, not yet, but we're still uh, still thinking about maybe maybe in the future that'll be a, a good crop, you know. We have Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau. It's the first Saturday of the month, so we're talking farm fresh produce and we pick a particular commodity uh, in the ag field that is currently in harvest at this time of year. We've only got one non-food item, and that comes closer to our cotton season where we're talking silks and sheets and uh, or not, or the Yuma cotton is what the word I was looking for. Uh, but everything else we've got on the calendar this year is uh, food-related. Food we can consume it, and actually being the cotton kid that I am growing on, up on a cotton fa- farm, we do promote our cottonseed oil. So there's even an edible product, byproduct from the cotton. But, um, yes, Arizona Farm Bureau celebrating our farmers and ranchers every day because they're working in planting and or harvesting every day, 365 days out of the year here in Arizona. That's one of the privileges of the weather that we grow in or that we live in is that we can be doing agriculture daily. If you're in the Midwest in the dead of winter, Unless you have a greenhouse, you don't get to do what we're doing out on our farm. So it's pretty, it's very <laughs> celebratory, and I love to uh, talk Arizona agriculture all of the time because it's a $23.3 billion industry. In fact, by the way, if a listener goes to azfb.org and you source or search sweet corn today, because that's our focus, you can learn about some of our growers and some of our farmers that do the sweet corn. But I was curious, Sharla, what were some of your other summer crops? And this is Sharla Mortimer of Mortimer Family Farms. If uh, you've checked out of Arizona for mentally or moved and came back, it used to be what what people would know in the old days as Young's Farm. Y'all have got that revived and going, and it's a you-pick-it farm. 
Yes. Yeah. And you picked some corn for us this morning. I did. I went to the farm this morning and uh, <clears throat> the sun was coming up and we were out picking corn and bringing it down to show you guys what we're doing up there. So it's been fantastic. But uh, yeah, we've been, this is our ninth year at the farm wow. and going really fantastic. We've got all kinds of activities and, and a country store there that you can come in and purchase any of the products that we grow. And we grow a variety of vegetables. We were talking earlier. We've got a full garden there. So tomatoes, peppers, squash, zucchini, um, okra was another one mm, that a lot of okra uh, not very many farms grow that anymore so we grow a lot of products in a smaller smaller scale um, not fields and fields of tomatoes but we have 800 tomato plants this year so I would say that's a pretty good crop <laughs> and uh, and then we retail everything right through our store there and our two newest crops this year are black um, blackberries and strawberries and we're doing those you pick as well so you can actually bring the kids out and go out right into the field and pick your own berries and take them home and and uh, well what gets home because you just eat them the whole time you're out there but <laughs> get to go home and uh, and uh, enjoy your own fresh picked uh, uh, berries, which is which is phenomenal. And those are available now to pick, both the blackberries and the strawberries. They are. They are. Yeah, the blackberries are kind of in a slower flush right now, so they're just producing it's they kind of flush and then they and then it takes them a while to to produce more. So they come a crazy and then they back off and they go crazy again and they back off. But um, we're still harvesting blackberries every day and the strawberries are just doing awesome. This uh, rain, they are loving the rain. And then we're not too far away from the fall, so I know a lot of our retail farmers or direct market farmers like yourself, you've already probably planted your pumpkins? We have, yeah. Our corn maize and our pumpkins are both planted, and and the corn maize is a fun fun way to enjoy agriculture, run through the fields, and then the pumpkins will be harvesting starting the last weekend of September. One of my favorite times of the year. And just so that our listeners know, we have farmers all over the state that are doing retail you pick in fact we have a few farmers that that's all they do their one season that one segment that one spotlight in that short period of time is the fall harvest they've got pumpkins corn mazes and that's whether it's up north or down south or east and west so we've in fact we put out Arizona Farm Bureau puts out a list of all of our you pick and fall harvest festival farms that you can visit as a family and enjoy for the season and y'all are in such an interesting location. There's not a lot of other area around your farm that could be developed for agriculture. You're right on the river. You're right at the base of the, the hills. But, I mean, it the, the amount of infrastructure you would need to put another farm somewhere up higher on the hill or out on the plains is, is massive. So you're, you're in a really unique spot. It's not where... Uh, you would drive to Yuma or you would drive out to Coolidge and just be surrounded by miles and miles of farms. I mean, you've pretty much got maxed out on on y'all's. How big is the farm? Our farm is 350 acres. And it is. It's it's a little oasis there in a, in a bunch of housing around us, but also uh, ranch land is more more prevalent there in Yavapai County. Uh, but we definitely love the, the farming and, and being able to be involved in that. All right, so I've been working on my pen and paper here. Five-inch 
apart per kernel that we're sticking in the ground on 36-inch rows. Now, what kind of germination percentage? Are we getting 100% germination? Because if it's popping up every four to seven days, if you don't see one popping up, do you just stick another kernel in that You void? can go and replant it, yeah. But really, you want to get as that's – that's why the planter is so important too, you know, having, having that good initial planting because the better – that germination germination is the more consistent it is that the better your yield will be. Now, does it matter which way the seed is pointing in the soil? No, no, just as long as it's in the soil. Okay. Mm -hmm. So calculating that up and to your ears per corn for, per square feet, and you've got forty three thousand just over forty three thousand square feet per acre. We're up to how many how many yields is, is ideal per acre? So we planted at twenty thousand. Uh, 20,000 population, so 20,000 plants per acre, and uh, your good uh, ideal yield is going to be um, 1,900 plants, or 1,900 um, dozen per acre. And multiply that up on the 30 acres you'll have, you're at over half a million ears of corn per year that you're expecting to pull out of 30 acres. Yep. That's a lot of corn. It's a lot of corn. <laughs> and that's why we plant it in succession, like I said earlier. So we plant that every week. We plant two acres a week. And so then that um, that corn is being harvested over. So we, we like our friends to come back again and again and again and keep getting more and more corn. <laughs> and then with the corn maze, how long do you leave the how, – how big? How many acres is the corn maze? So the corn maze is uh, 15 acres. So about half of your corn crop. And – does that... But that's a different kind of corn than our sweet corn. Oh, that, okay. That's the field corn because that's going to get sweet corn. Actually, only grows about three and a half feet tall, at its max, which is very different. Hard it's for a, a very maze small at plant. Three feet. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It would work good for toddlers. I see you. <laughs> a lot of cheating going on. <laughs> but the the field corn will grow ten feet tall. And so it makes an awesome maze. I mean, you get in there and it's a whole different world. And that's what's going into your corn syrup. Uh, mm -hmm. Corn, know. corn tortillas, corn chips—that's edible, um, but also into into livestock feed. So you're feeding feeding animals that that feed as well. And your maize design is top secret until they release it. Just not like Schneff Family Farms because they do a fall corn maze. So mm -hmm. we're dying to know what. And you guys have already picked that and you figured it out. And it was top secret even to me until just a couple days ago. <laughs> Oh, so she knows, but we can't. We yeah. can't pull that information not, from you until you're ready yet. to reveal. Not quite yet. But yeah. that's what makes it so exciting. Have you ever got lost making the maze? Making the maze? No, because we actually cut it when it's when it's about six inches tall. Cheater. So we go out and, and cut that maze because otherwise, talk about uh, a lot of work. If you've got a mile worth of maze. <clears throat> to go in and cut out ten foot stalks and haul that out of there without the whole up time, the it's it's intense. Boundary. So you cut it wow. when it's real short. We just go in and remove the plants that we don't want to grow, and that way that and it grows within the maze. So usually in about late August, the first of September, um, we've got a, a helicopter school up in Prescott that uh, flies over, and they usually. You know, kibosh the big surprise <laughs> as to what the corn maze is this year, and they start spreading it out there. But, yeah, it's, it's all good. We love it. You can tell so much about culture and uh, uh, what's hot and what's not when you look at the different farms that we have that have corn mazes and what their themes are. Uh, the themes really drive it in the fall, and that's what makes it so special. 
Yeah, they're they're fun. It's 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 a challenge to come up with what that theme is going to be for the year because then we use that kind of theme the whole festival after, and so it's it's an it's it's a tough thing. It's a big decision to you know paint in corn. To paint in corn and then have to stick to it after that, yeah, right? It's per it's a permanent deal, at least for the year. So it's a big commitment. It is a big commitment. <laughs> but farmers make big commitments every day, so it's not unusual for you guys. Now, what else? One of the things I remember about uh, the Young's Farm was the honey drip. You could get, you could see the bees coming right into the side of the store, and you could see the big honeycomb, and they had little tubes that you would just bite and suck the, the honey out. Do you all have a, a honey pot? We do. We have a big honey pot now and you can come in and bottle your own honey fresh off the farm and uh, and we've got beehives that are out thread out through the farm that we bring in for um, for pollination and so that's really an important cycle and piece of this puzzle that we do is that is that pollinating and so we you can go out there and see the hives actually at work and then come into the store and, and get some honey. That's something we need to put on 2019's calendars, honey. We haven't it's had honey. honey. And uh, we actually have quite a few honey farmers. Hun honey farmers. Yep. They're sweet. They're really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just the health benefits for consuming it in the area, if you can find it locally produced around your area, you know, if you, especially if someone with allergies, just yep. digesting that honey will build your immune system against the allergies and the pollen that are you know growing in your area some people that i know that have allergies and they use honey to fight it swear by it so honey fresh honey is good and we do a lot of honey there is a lot of honey in the air in the in, yeah, in arizona, in arizona. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. yep and it's a it's a booming booming business and they've uh, done a great job with it there's there's a lot of hives around here there is so we can bring those in too all right that'll be a 2019 but we're yep. talking sweet corn today and we're joined by Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau, who always brings in a local farmer or rancher to cover whatever our farm fresh product commodity is of the month. And we're in sweet corn because right now, you, I wouldn't say that all you could find it on all of Arizona right now, but it's pretty close. I mean, you've got Dewey Humboldt is obviously producing, maybe not yet up in Snowflake and... There's probably a few left down on the desert floor that are still harvesting sweet corn. We And Cochise County, some of our farmers there are growing the sweet corn. But uh, pretty much out of the valley, it's gone. At least uh, they've shifted now. and they've Some of our farmers with the summer crops have transitioned to others. We even have uh, two seasons for cantaloupe. By the way, we have a spring season for cantaloupe and a fall. So some of those... Summer crop farmers have already made the shift, at least here in the valley. Sharla, uh, their farm is in a unique location that you kind of can extend that. I didn't realize that you were already harvesting your sweet corn as early as June up in Dewey. So it was the earliest this year it's ever been. And we had a weird, weird early spring too. With the, it wasn't real cold up in Prescott. It was so warmer was than a, normal. Mm -hmm. But the microclimates kind of dictate for the farmers based on where there are where they are, especially in retail direct market farming like Charlotte Mortimer and her family is in, really can influence, based on your location, some of the things you get to do and what you're growing. So that's what makes the agriculture here in Arizona so unique. Again, planting and harvesting every month of the year, 365 days out of the year. Our Midwest farmers, we love them, and they're doing some amazing agriculture in the Midwest, but they can't do what we're doing here in Arizona. 
It's pretty special. And to get there, it's I-17 north between, you're what, about halfway between New River and Camp Verde's where the 69? Yep. Uh, Cordes Junction, you're going to tie in right there at Cordes Junction onto Highway 69, headed right towards Prescott. Everybody knows where Prescott's at. And we're on the right-hand side. You can't miss us. They're, they're the, the only, only farm, farm on that in, stretch. <laughs> they're the only farm anywhere near there. So uh, it's it's been a great experience and opportunity. And it's you know it's a, it's it's our little oasis, heaven on earth, right there. And if you're coming from south and heading north, you don't have to get off on 69. You can go up to 169 and hit one of the wine growers right there off the exit. Pick up your items there, then move over to the. <laughs> Mortimer's yes. family farm. Support all of agriculture. <laughs> That's right. That's what we're all about. <laughs> fill the whole plate, just like fillyourplate.org, one of Arizona Farm Bureau's websites. <laughs> and it's designed to? It's designed to help all of us as Arizona families to figure out what farmer's markets on the weekends we want to go to, like Mortimer Farms. Uh, we can search for recipes. Every foodie website has recipes, but our recipes are mainly from our farmers and ranchers here in Arizona. It's what makes them special and unique. And then the other searchable database, which, and again, the Mortimers are on there, is if you're wanting to check out some direct market products, you can search for specific products. And the most uh, popular searched items are beef and wine. So uh, definitely some of the top areas of our consumption that our Arizona families like to purchase directly from the farmers. Well, we thank y'all for joining us here. We've got one more break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what uh, the, the background in agriculture that's coming up on, on our ballots here shortly. Yes. She's too busy getting dirty in a field of grain. She's a corn star. The talk of the crop at every county fair, y'all. Corn star. <laughs> uh, this is the first. You stumped me on this one, though. I knew all your other songs. Hadn't heard this one. Is that uh, Craig Morgan? I was going to say a little it play like on Craig words, Morgan. and we'll just keep it at that. <laughs> Only Gary D, the Rosie on the House producer, knows six different country western songs about corn. <laughs> Only Gary D. And I have one on reserve, but we won't get to it today. So we'll do corn part two later in the year. <laughs> We're joined uh, in studio. Uh, Julie Murphy, our spokeswoman for the Arizona Farm Bureau, has brought in Charla Mortimer of Mortimer Family Farms. And we've been talking sweet corn the whole hour. We've got a couple interesting things we covered on break that we'll share. But just real quick, uh, interestingly enough, we're not getting political, but coming up on the ballots, there's a lot of agricultural history on on the ballot. Yes, we have four candidates this year. And... uh they're all running in the primary elections, obviously. Tiffany Shedd, candidate for Congress in Congressional District 1. I've known her for 30-plus years. We've served in the cotton industry for decades. She's a great person. We've got Sina uh, Kerr, Arizona senator, who's running for re-election in District 13. We've got Tim Dunn. And she was on uh, when we were talking. Yes, because of dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's they're a dairy family. Well, we had Dan Heisen in for dairy, but what did she she was on like last December or something. Anyway. And and they have been I think I brought them in at least one other time prior and I'm pretty sure it was dairy. And then Tim Dunn, Arizona House of Representatives running for re-election in District 13 and finally, uh, last but not least is David Cook, who's Arizona House of Representatives running for re-election in District 8. I know them all personally. They're 
great men and women of character. And as you guys are checking out the candidates that you're going to vote for, they're a consideration for sure. Excellent. Now, Charlie, you were going over a little history of the land. You want to recap that for us? Because it is very interesting. It's been um, – w- when was that farm established? So we were talking We were talking about the ranch was what we were talking about during the break. But that farm has been um, – <clears throat> it was actually a, had a train that went right through the middle of it at one point. And so it was, a, it was that connection between Phoenix and Prescott, and it was a – it was a pretty high traffic area right there. Always has been. Um, Old Black Canyon was a very historic road. It's been uh, wagon trails for for you know since they started um, keeping records. They had wagon uh, wagon trips on there, and and so that's a real historic trailway there. <clears throat> um, I know that it was farmed. The Youngs had it for sixty years. Uh, we're at year nine now, and so we're just keep keep moving forward on that. And then it was um, before that it was being farmed as well. So I don't have a lot of the farmer farm history as much, um, but there's a the the historical society. There's a Dewey Humboldt Historical Society there in in Dewey that has a lot of that great information as well. So it's pretty fun to see those historical pictures and and documents and and be able to see that connection. But it's been farmed for years and years and years, and we're happy to continue that tradition. And y'all were in a position to acquire the land because uh, you were local ranchers there and just were in place to to take it on. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, about your ranch history. So we've had the ranch for uh, 15 years now, and time flies, I tell you. You know, <laughs> Gary and I both uh, grew up in agriculture. He was a, an Iowa farm boy, and I was here a cotton farmer in Arizona. And so um, our families had all moved away from the farm, and we wanted that back. So as we got married 22 years ago and set some goals for our future, that was one of them, that we wanted our family to be on a farm and involved in agriculture. And so we made it happen. So 15 years ago, we bought a cattle ranch. It's um, it's associated with uh, National Forest land. So we raise Black Angus beef cattle on 20,000 acres of National Forest. And that is a, that's an experience all on its own. You know, we were talking about developing water and, and maintaining fence lines and cleaning up garbage that people dump out there and keeping that land um healthy and strong for for the future that's part of our responsibility as ranchers and so um we we love it and and have been had a great experience and opportunity to be involved in that piece of it and then when this property came available um nine years ago we were involved in you know we had some farming land there as well and so um and with gary's background of farming it was like okay yeah we'd we'd be interested in this and they approached us and said well what do you think would you guys like to to farm over here and we said yeah and I said to Gary but if we're going to do that we're going to do it all we're going to go all the way and so from right from the very beginning it was we wanted to be open to the public we wanted to have that direct farm market and we wanted to do ag in the classroom and teach kids about farming on the ground and have them have that experience with the dirt I always tell families that (laughs) common sense is not gone common sense is a learned learned through experience and the way that they get that experience is by being on a farm or a ranch. And so um, we love to have families come out and experience that and, and learn some of that common sense that's really um, lacking in some of our society today. And so uh, we love to have families come up and experience that with us. Charlotte has a true passion for agriculture, as you can tell. And it's just proof that even if you get out of farming, you can come back to it. And Charla is also our president for Yavapai County Farm Bureau and uh, serves with, again, great passion and commitment to the agriculture community. 
And again, location, location, location from Prescott. That's really the – I don't know another one. The closest one to y'all would be over that I can think of off the top would be – I think it's Hauser and Hauser and Camp mm-hmm. Verde. Yep. Yep, they grow sweet corn, and they and they actually put up a bunch of pecan trees. I heard this last year, so they're yes. going to be branching out a little bit more. Haha. <laughs> and, <Yeah. ten> <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. and ten years. I mean, that's a yeah. isn't that about yeah. what it, it takes? It is. It is a long term crop for Mine, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are five years old, and I got twenty two pecans. Twenty two. <laughs> that's an awesome Yay. harvest. Hey, we were happy. We were all picking it together and shucking them at the yeah. table. It was fun. Five years. We got something to show for now. Isn't that amazing? You, know, you never taste any sweeter pecans than that, did you? No. No, no, no. Because <laughs> you, you grew them. When you wait five years for them, well, they're really good. Yeah. You know, you were talking about location, location, location on, on the ag industry. The other thing that just resonates in my head is capital, capital, mm. capital. <laughs> It's not, it's, there's, there's nothing the cheap about farming. Nothing cheap about farming. You're right about that. Gosh. Well, congratulations on all y'all's success. You've certainly taken the Young's Farm to a whole new level. Some of the new things y'all are doing is you pick strawberries, you pick blackberries, you pick corn is hot and going Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and another thing that I just like to throw in there real quick is that, you know, we couldn't do what we do without the support of the communities around us. And so we really appreciate everybody that comes and sees us at the farm and 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 helps us support what we're doing and, and appreciate and enjoy what's going on there. AZFB.org. You can sign up and become an associate member for five bucks a month. Fifty nine. Well, five bucks a month or fifty nine dollars, sixty, basically sixty for the year azfb.org or fillyourplate.org to find local produce grown right here in Arizona by our farmers and ranchers for your family table.